Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Francis Sue is the Benedictson Carwa Professor of Mathematics at Harvey Mudd College and former president of the Mathematical Association of America. He brings a whole lot of heart to his work as a mathematician. He has written, Grace Centers Me, and it's a reflection of a divine love that grounds human dignity in a source distinct from anything we do. This love also calls me to defend the dignity of others, which I strive to do through my teaching and my writing. Francis Sue is the author of Mathematics for Human Flourishing, of which one reviewer has said, this is perhaps the most important mathematics book of our time. Francis Sue shows mathematics is an experience of the mind and, most important, of the heart. Francis Sue, thank you so much for being on the Habit Podcast. Thank you for having me. I am uh, excited about your book, Mathematics for Human Flourishing. I have to say, among my listeners, you may have a bit of an uphill battle of making the case for for, uh, mathematics as being um, important. So, uh, so... (laughs) The floor is open. Convince my uh, my writer friends that that math is important. Sure. Yeah. I guess one way that I like to think of mathematics is uh, as a way of seeing the hidden structures that lie beneath a lot of um, the the things we see in the world. I mean, yeah. some people like to talk about math as as uh, you know playing with numbers, but numbers aren't the only kinds of patterns that exist in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, math is really more about understanding patterns. And uh-huh. that's, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like a, a little hidden superpower that you have if you're able to see the unseen. And that's yeah. one way of thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, which is what writers are trying to do all the time, right? Yes. Yeah. In fact, in fact, um, I, I like to, to think of, of really good writing in the same way. Like it, it illuminates truths mm-hmm. that are otherwise sometimes hard to say if you, if you just want to say them. But if you say them through, through uh, a, 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 a good metaphor or an analogy, uh, yeah. it can often be more illuminating. Yeah. And you teach uh, uh, basic composition, right? I yeah so we have a so I I teach at Harvey Mudd College I'm a math professor here but we have a, a college wide writing course in the freshman year that uh-huh. every student takes and that every department here at the college teaches uh-huh. and so okay. I, basically in, in this class I'm teaching students to craft uh, a, an evidence based essay uh, based on some readings uh huh um. And do you have are, are there there are ways you approach that discipline that are different because you're a mathematician? Yeah, that's a great question. I so in in terms of the what the college expects, we we all have a common set of goals for the course, which is basically helping students craft a thesis and defend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of the content, you know, I often like to choose. Uh, writings that at least have some kind of connection to mathematical themes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first time I taught this course, uh, I, I had students read short stories by Jorge Luis Borges, uh-huh. who uh, often writes with very mathematical themes. So we explore some of those themes in, in the class. Uh, but the class is really about writing. Uh-huh. Um, well, you 
so you speak of mathematics as the as being geared toward human flourishing. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? And and by the way, that's that's a phrase that I think will make a lot of sense to to the listeners of of this podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I guess one thing I'm doing in this book that I um, just completed called Mathematics for Human Flourishing is making an argument that math is more than just knowing how to calculate things. And sometimes people even think math is about calculating things quickly, Uh uh, which, you know, I press back a a lot uh, in this book um, by trying to give people better reasons uh, better answers to the question why study math than just because it helps you get a good job sometime down the road. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, of course, makes math frustrating and full of anxiety for people is that it's often taught in a way that removes all of the joy and the wonder and um, the surprise and the enchantment that is often there for people who do, you know, who 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 do math for a living and. Um, there, the, there's delayed gratification, right? There's this idea that, okay, you know, learn all this stuff now that seems really boring and tedious, and sometime down the road you're going to get a good job. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I, I, I push back on that by saying, hey, you know what? Math actually, when it's practiced properly, builds in us all kinds of virtues that serve us well right now and serve us well throughout our lives, Virtues like persistence, virtues like curiosity, virtues like the expectation of enchantment when you Mm -hmm. see something delightful and you expect delight out of uh, what you're learning. Um, And so it's it's maybe a different view that most people have of what math is for. Yeah. Tell tell me something that would uh, re-enchant math for the disenchanted. Yeah, that's... uh, that's a good question. Um, some of the things that, of course, that are I think are really amazing and enchanting. Well, just take the here's a good example. Take the iPhone that's sitting in your pocket. Uh-huh. Uh, if you had to predict that such a device would exist 20, 25 years ago, I think most people would have said, whoa, this is kind of an amazing piece of, of uh, technology. It's almost magical. Yes? Yeah. And the iPhone, I mean, it's, it's enchanting. Its enchantment comes from the fact that it and many of the, the, the applications that are on it um, help us take advantage of, of patterns that, that we otherwise wouldn't be able to take advantage of, right? It's, it's using a lot of mathematical ideas uh, to, um, uh, to bring bring uh, something unseen and make them seen. And so in some ways, this is this is an enchanting piece of technology, but it's made possible because of mathematics. Um, do you, is there something non-technical? Um, give me something else. Yeah, okay. Walk into any cathedral and yeah. look at the stained glass patterns that, um, that you are bathed in uh, yeah. when you walk in there. And, um, and you feel your soul move when you mm-hmm. when you walk into a, a beautiful place. That, that's the same kind of enchantment that I think mathematicians experience uh, when when they see a beautiful idea. Ah, yes, that's good. 
Um, and then there's, uh, I hope I'm saying it right, Leibniz, who said uh, that music is the, the pleasure of counting without knowing that you're counting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I like that. I'm not familiar with that that phrase. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, the the truth that that math sees these underlying patterns that that gives us hope that that there's order you know in a world that seems pretty disordered um there's a lot to love about that yeah yeah i mean i i think um you know one one way that mathematics and uh writing are allies uh is uh, is in this idea that I mean, mathematics is really also about telling stories, right? Instead of telling stories about hidden truths, about the way people live, mathematicians tell stories about about ideas, underlying truths that um, that that maybe help us see the world in a in a in a slightly or completely different way than than we see before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I I mean, I guess I see a lot of resonance between these these kinds of um, pursuits. Can I press you for one example of what you just said of, of how math gives us a way of, of seeing things in a different way? Yeah. Um, you know, when I'm, I'm teaching my writing class, one of the, the, the big ideas in writing, is, as any writer knows, is the idea that you improve your writing through repeated revision. Right. right? It, it's not just one uh, and done and it comes out perfectly. It's mm-hmm. that you, you start with something and then you think carefully and deeply about the ideas and you revise and you make it better. Yeah. And uh, math is actually like that as well, although most people think of it as one and done, right? Most people think either I get the answer or I don't. Hmm. And if I don't get the answer, I must be bad at it. And, uh, and therefore, it makes me anxious to even think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And if, if people would change you know, the way they think about math, math as, you know, something they can also improve through constant revision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they would think about math in a, in a much more, you know, humane way, maybe even fun way. Like you start with a draft. That's an idea that may be not perfect. It may not be perfectly correct, but, but you can improve. It's kind of like, you know, estimating, um, how many piano tuners there, there are in a city, right? You start with an estimate, and then you say, okay, wait a minute, you know, maybe, maybe not everybody in this town plays piano and, um, and maybe, uh, you know, you make assumptions and you change and tweak the model until the estimate becomes better. Yeah. Um, and so this is, I think, um, one way in which I think, you know, when I think about some of these, these connections between math and writing that, that it, it sort of upends the way people think of, should should think about mathematics, mm-hmm. um, and so you know if you think a little bit of how that works with with what we see in the world, you know mathematicians often start off with with models of the world, and the models aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I might say, hey, you know, uh, if I'm going to you know talk about getting a a spaceship to the moon, I have to talk about what it means to to get there uh, mm-hmm. along the path of, you know, the shortest path. Yeah. But shortest path doesn't necessarily mean straight line. Mm-hmm. In fact, mm-hmm. the shortest path might mean uh, 
the, uh, might mean a curved path along which, um, you know, you travel the fastest. Mm-hmm. But usually the way, the way things work in math is that you start with approximations like a straight line. And then you start talking about modifying them to think about, well, maybe straight it is something different and depending on the geometry you're thinking about. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the, the great, the great ideas of Einstein is sort of helping us see the universe as this kind of, you know, mathematical space time as, as it was called, uh, where, where the straight lines are not actually straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and light follows these, what are, they're called geodesics. Um, and so maybe that's an example of sort of uh, seeing under, seeing the structures that underlie the world. You you start off with approximations and you you tweak them until they get better. Yeah, I, somebody the other day was saying if it hadn't been for partial credit, I would have had a zero average in math. <laughs> yes, uh, and, th- and that's what we so often, as you said earlier, if we think of it as a one and done thing, and you get, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. But the you know, I yes. think partial credit is a, is perfectly appropriate. That's the way the the as you said, that's the way math actually gets done in real life: is you approximations and getting getting better. Yes, that's right. And and uh, and this, I think, would be a, a great encouragement to people if if they realize, hey, you know what? If my students can give me a good strategy for solving a problem, mm-hmm. I'd say mm-hmm. that's worth you know partial credit, if not most, if not you know most of the credit. Yeah. Um, it's not just all about the answers. It's it's really about the process. Yeah. I've ran across somewhere where you you spoke of uh, math as a ve- a vehicle for love. Um, am I quoting you properly? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it's actually the last chapter of my book. Um, okay, and it, it's a uh, it's appropriately the thirteenth chapter. It's the love chapter. Okay. Uh, Spoiler alert. And- Sorry, I didn't mean to jump to the end of the book. <laughs> no, no worries. No, it's basically what I talk about in this chapter is. Uh, is math uh, as um, a way of of experiencing and in, 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 uh, experiencing love and loving other people? And I don't just mean. Um, I mean, I, I guess what I, I'm, I'm thinking about here is loving people better through and because of mathematics. You know, it's kind of like. Uh, if you play a sport with somebody, you get to know them in a different way. Yeah. And if you do mathematics with someone, you know, uh, work on a puzzle together mm-hmm. with someone, uh, and you enjoy the community that forms because of that, that's one way to experience and give love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's getting to know somebody in a different way by seeing how they think and how they reason um, uh-huh. People often experience this by playing games together, right? Like, you know, um, games of strategy. Right. You know, I'm a very different person uh, when, you know, you, you ask me to play a game, uh, a game, I become really competitive, right? That's a uh-huh. different now, different side of me um, that you might see. <laughs> I see. So when you, when you speak of uh, 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 math as a vehicle for love, you just mean it's it's one of many activities that you can uh, love people in. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's one of many activities, but it's, it's unique and it's sublime and, uh, it's something that I think everybody should have a chance to experience. 
Um, when you say sublime, can you say more about that word? Yeah, gosh, it's, it's hard to say. I, I guess <laughs> it, I think about walking through a beautiful forest. Yeah. If you asked me to describe the forest, I could talk about the the wind rustling through mm-hmm. the, the leaves and mm-hmm. and that being somehow beautiful. I might talk about the colors and the patterns that I see in the streaming light. Yeah. Um, I might uh, talk about the sounds that I hear from nature. And if I just described all these things to you, it doesn't quite capture that whole experience. Uh-huh. Uh, but if I attempt to um, tell a story about that experience and I use metaphors that you might never imagine um, uh, that I would use about a forest, then somehow you've just elevated that 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 experience for me by tell by by telling me something sublime, mm-hmm. and I guess I see math as the same way, right? Like if you just if you just um, gave me a bunch of results of computations, uh-huh. you know, that if I were trying to you know um, to describe what was going on in you know the in the universe by just showing you various orbits of planets (laughs) yeah that's somehow missing the point but if i talk about the planets as dancing um -hmm. through the heavens i think i'm capturing more of the the sublime or ethereal nature of 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 uh of mathematics um and it's really it's really hard to put your finger on it like it's hard for me to say hey you really should check this out and experience it. It's kind of like it's kind of like saying somebody should go, you know, do the rides at Disneyland cuz they're really awesome, yeah. you know. Yeah, or 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 try to describe what honey tastes like to somebody who's hasn't ever had honey. Uh That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Sorry for putting you on the spot on on that one, but um what, one reason I was I was wondering if you're using the word sublime the way um uh, I guess it's, is it Edmund Burke in his in his aesthetics talks about the the sublime as being tied in with fear, um, so that that when you when you're when you're faced with the the power of a waterfall, it's beautiful, but it's also a little scary. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, you're talking about the the planets um, makes me think about a, a, a time in the world when um, when math and humanities were not treated as two different things when 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 the um, um, the the music of the spheres, you know, was was something that we took seriously. Yeah, and I I I think we would really benefit from a from a, a reintegration. You know. mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know there was a time uh, that you, the, 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 several centuries ago when it was possible to to be a Renaissance person. I guess <laughs> yeah. that's why they call it a Renaissance person, yeah, but right. be at the forefront of knowledge in many different fields. Um, mm-hmm. And now we've become a society full of specialists. I mean, I think we we uh, we tend to compartmentalize our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, we tend to uh, think of of each of these these areas of specialty as one dimensional um, mm-hmm. uh, as one dimensional. 
yeah. <laughs> rather than as as multi-dimensional ways that we can grow who we are. And, and that's part of you know part of what I'm trying to help help people see is that you know if math is is not divorced from what it means to be human, but actually part of what it means to flourish, then maybe everybody would 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 um, feel a, more of a fascination to uh, to try it out. Yeah. Uh, if we, if, you know, we think of music, it's, you know, so funny that, you know, we think of music as something everybody can do and enjoy. Right. Uh, and we don't just say, hey, you have to be Beethoven or Beyonce in order to enjoy it and participate in it. Yeah. But somehow in math, we say, oh, you know, if I can't, if I can't perform at the highest levels, then, then it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, how does one participate in math? at a not high level? I think you participate in math anytime you, uh, you know, you experience a, a beautiful pattern yeah. and you start questioning why that pattern is wonderful and glorious. Yeah. Uh, I think you participate in math when you um, think about the rhythms uh, of uh, the world, maybe mm-hmm. even the rhythms of the way you write Mm-hmm. The way you structure uh, you structure your your thoughts or sentences. Um, I think math is you know it's going to be going to be able to to help you see see things see things you couldn't see before. Yeah. Um, and who doesn't want to do that, right? Yeah, like who yeah. doesn't wanna try something different? Sure. Um, you, you participate in math when you when you when you talk about. Uh, you know, when you play a game of strategy with, yeah. your, with your kids or your friends. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so I, I love what you say uh, when, when you talk about um, math being uh, the, the mind at play. Um, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a great insight. Um, and so we've, we've talked about uh, tr- beauty and truth. You know, math as a, as a movement, as a, as a way of accessing beauty and truth. Um, I want to hear more about uh, how how uh, ma- math gives us access to justice. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that's um, an important question in mathematics is who 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 is currently doing mathematics and um, and you know if you look at the demographics of the STEM professions as they're called science te- technology engineering and mathematics. Right. Uh, the demographics are are basically overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, of course, a lot of people devoted attention to trying to increase participation in mathematics um, among many groups, underrepresented groups. Um, but you know, part of what I what I'd like people, you know, it's hard to it's hard to actually address that question until you until you answer the question, what is math for? Mm-hmm. Why do we do mathematics? Because, you know, if math just exists to, you know, get a good job or um, to um, produce um, uh, PhDs, then, you know, that's one, that's, one, that's one thing. But if you say math is something that every human being should experience because it's beautiful and wonderful and that you're missing out if you don't, if you don't see it or if you don't have access to it 
then that's another that's another motivation entirely. And you know, so my I guess part of what I'm trying to help people see is that if math exists for human flourishing, then it's actually a, a big injustice if we are preventing people from access to mathematics, mm-hmm. um, either you know either either blatantly or um, you know or because of uh, because we're not aware uh, aware of it. Yeah. Um, and so we certainly don't want artsy people to be deprived of math. No, no. In fact, art, artistic art, artistry and mathematics have so much in common yes. that it's actually uh, really amazing when you can see the synergy between the two. <laughs> yes. All right. I always end with the question, who are the writers who make you want to write? So, Francis, who are the, who are the writers who make you want to write? Yeah, um, well, I guess one of my favorite writers is uh, is Victor Hugo. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I appreciate about Hugo is, in a way, uh, his way of um, writing about sweeping um, human themes. You know, justice mm-hmm. versus mercy, um, uh, the redemptive thread that runs throughout his writing. Um, I think on the more technical side, I appreciate Stephen Strogatz, who is able to talk about um, com- complex mathematical ideas in, uh-huh. in very, uh, I think, poetic ways. Where where would one find his work? Uh, you could you could uh, find uh, his most recent book is a book about the his- is sort of a book about um, what calculus is uh-huh. without. Going into anything technical, uh-huh. um, so uh, I think it, the title oh, of the book, it. "Infinite Powers." Yeah, uh, but he's he's also written uh, other several other uh, books for the popular press. Yeah, so those are those are probably two um, two things. Uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, is a is a huge favorite of mine. Uh-huh. Uh, one thing I appreciate about Lewis is his um, ability to think clearly and describe clearly um, uh, complicated philosophical ideas. Yeah, that's a very appropriate uh, uh, writer for a mathematician to be a fan of. I mean, these these huge ideas that become accessible. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, And it's, do you um, read more of his fiction or his nonfiction? Uh, nonfiction. Yeah. Although I, I've I've uh, I've appreciated his fiction. I, I think it's the nonfiction that is is, I guess, sort of helped me. I mean, the mark of a good writer is is somebody when they say something, you're like, yeah, you gave me words for describing something that I uh, until now haven't been able to articulate. Yeah. And I think I think Lewis is really good at that. I think Hugo is really good at that as well. Yeah. Well, Francis Sue, uh, thank you so much for taking time to be on the Habit Podcast. I'm I'm uh, really looking forward to to getting hold of um, mathematics for human flourishing. And um, thank you. And um, I hope we can have another conversation soon. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the conversation as well. Thank All you right. for elevating writing. I love writing. <laughs> Me too. All right. See you later. Okay. Yeah. Bye bye. The Rabbit Room has partnered with Lipscomb University to make this podcast possible. 
Lipscomb has graciously given us access to their recording studio in the Center for Entertainment and Arts building. We're so grateful for their sponsorship, their encouragement, and the good work they do in Nashville. Special shout out as well to Jess Ray for letting us use her song Too Good as part of this podcast. Visit JessRayMusic.com to hear more of her beautiful songs. The Habit membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co. This podcast was produced by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. All our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com and to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Thank you.